This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Idea to Life podcast. This is the podcast for you if you're getting started selling products or if you'd like to create your own product to sell. I'm Vicky Weinberg, a product creation coach and Amazon expert. Every week I share friendly, practical advice as well as inspirational stories from small businesses. Let's get started. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking to Lucy Self. Lucy is the founder of Save My Knickers, a bloodstain remover which is here to empower you to feel amazing in your favourite knickers every day of the month, reduce waste and break period taboos. I had a really great conversation with Lucy. Her product, as um, you might have established, is really unique. Um, It's certainly the only bloodstain remover that I've come across. And so we speak a lot about the challenges of selling such a unique product. Also, some of the taboos that Lucy has come up against when trying to sell period related products. Um, We speak about what inspired her to start her business and how she formulated the product herself and then began her business while working full time. Um, I found this really interesting as Lucy spoke about some of the steps she took right at the beginning of her business that typically maybe some people think of a bit further down the line to ensure that she could start her business as a business while still working at that time too. Um, She'll share how she made the transition into working her business full time a few years later Um, and yet overall we just had such a fascinating conversation and I think you'll find it really interesting so I would love now to introduce you to Lucy. So hi Lucy thank you so much for being here. Hi yeah how are you? Really good thank you very excited to talk to you so can we please start with you give an introduction to yourself your business and what you sell? Yes, so my name is Lucy um, and I am the founder of Save My Knickers and Save My Knickers is a stain removing powder that gets blood out of underwear, clothing, bedding, pyjamas. So trying to make periods a little bit better and trying to reduce the number of uh, knickers and things that we throw in the bin as a result of blood stains. That's amazing, Lucy. And I think I mentioned I actually came across you when I was looking for basically what your product does. So can you just explain a little bit more for people what your product is and how it works? I just, I've never, I don't know if yours is the only product like it on the market, but you're certainly the only one that I've come across. Yeah. So we are the only um, stain removing powder specifically for blood stains. Um, So the way that it works is, so say you get a stain in your knickers, for example, is before you put them in the wash, you put the powder on the stain, you add some cold water and leave it to soak overnight. And then you just put it in the wash with all your other clothes as normal. And then the stain is gone. So it's super easy to use, super quick to use. It's not complicated. Um, 
And it just means that then those bloodstains come out when you wash them. Because I don't know about you, but I found with other kind of generic stain removers that you just add to the wash, they don't really do anything. They don't really make a difference. Um, and sort of old wives tales that people say, you know, put your knickers in the sunshine or add a bit of lemon juice. I, I found they didn't really work either, um, which is sort of, again, sort of why I came up with the product as well. So that's how we work. I say we work on knickers and pajamas and clothing and bedding and towels. We've had some customers use it on their carpet. Um, so kind of anything that you happen to get blood on. I think that's amazing because as you say, other products, they kind of, they might fade it slightly, but then it almost looks a bit worse yeah. actually. Um, yeah, this is the only thing that I've tried that actually does the job. Yeah. And what inspired you, Lucy, to, to come up with, with Start My Knick- Save My Knickers? So I was just really bored of ruining my own underwear. Um, so I have um, polycystic ovary syndrome, so PCOS. And with that, I have really irregular periods. So I never know whether my period is going to start um, or when it finishes, whether it is actually finished. Um, and sometimes they can be really heavy and sometimes they can be really light. Um, and I was just really fed up of yeah, getting bloodstains on my underwear and pajamas and bed sheets as well. And then not being able to get rid of them with, like, with other conventional methods. So I decided to experiment in the kitchen um, and found something that worked. And then it was only sort of after I was sharing that with some friends and things that they were like, you're not the only person in the world to ever have a period or have a baby or have gynae surgery, for example. Um, there's That's a problem that I think that so many other people have had. Just nobody really talks about it. It's not something that you necessarily say, Hey, guess what? I got some blood on my knickers today. Um, so it was, yeah, I realized it started off just for me. And then I soon realized that it was a problem actually that lots of people had. Um, and so I needed to share that with everybody. So before you started it as a business, I'd love to go back a step if that's okay, Lucy, yeah, and ask you, cause I'm really fascinated by this. How on earth did you know how to make something that would take the stains <laughs> out? Um, cause you've, you've overlooked that, but that's massive that you actually, did this because I'm am I right in thinking you did this yourself? It's not like you went to a company and gave them a, them a brief of what you wanted to do. You actually formulated it yourself. Yeah. So, um, and I get this question a lot. So people say, "Oh, you must be really good at chemistry." Um, I'm really not. So my um background is physiotherapy. So I was working as a children's physio in the NHS. So not working in the cleaning world or the period world or anything like that. Um, and I actually um got a D at A level in chemistry. I don't tend to share that with many people um and I often think that if I was to tell my chemistry teacher what I'm doing now she'd probably be like what really I don't think he would ever be able to do anything like that um so yeah chemistry is not my thing um but I just experimented so I, I quite like baking and I quite like cooking so I'm I sort of thought of it as a bit like that so trying to different ingredients um different quantities of ingredients and different time frames for um leaving it to soak and different fabrics and I think one of the other like funny things when I look back at when we were doing our um like product formulation is whenever anybody bled in the house obviously you don't with periods you don't have a constant supply of blood so product testing is actually quite hard um but obviously all blood is the same so um if my husband had a nosebleed or if my daughter had a nosebleed or if someone cut themselves, I'd be like, quick, find some knickers. Um, which knickers haven't we tested yet? And then it's only when I look back, that I was like, we could have tested it on any random fabrics, but it always had to be a pair. So I'd like go through my knicker drawer and be like, oh, we haven't tested this pair. Or we haven't tested that fabric. Um, so that was quite funny when I look back and think about all these, I used to have all these mugs lined up on the kitchen surface with all various different colors of knickers and fabrics of knickers um, testing them all out. So yeah, that was, that was how we started. 
That's amazing. And I, I just feel, you know, I'm honestly fascinated by the fact that you came up with it yourself. But I guess it's at first, were you literally just thinking this is going to be something you were going to use yourself when you were in the formulation stage? Yeah, to start with, just because I kind of, maybe I didn't realise that it was a, such a problem for everybody else. Um, or maybe I just thought, oh, maybe generic stain removers work for other people or um, but the people aren't bothered about it. But yeah, so to start with, it was purely just for myself. And then, as I say, the more, I think, cause I was so excited that I'd found something that worked. Um, and so started talking about it with more people. And then the more I talked about it, the more I realized that actually I could impact a lot of other people and help a lot of other people. Um, and also just reduce a lot of waste. I think that like, we like throw away so many things, like so many items because of blood stains, or they get replaced. So, you know, if you've got, especially bed sheets and big mm-hmm. items like that, you, you get blood on them and then you don't necessarily want to use them. You don't want to use them if you have people coming to stay. Um, they're not, you know, especially white bed sheets and that sort of thing. Um, and then you just buy more of them. And I think as a, a society, we're trying to reduce the amount that we're doing that. And so there was sort of this twofold, we're going to be able to reduce waste. And there is also something amazing about wearing your favorite knickers, right? So when you like get up in the morning and you put on your best knickers, you're like, yes, I feel incredible. I can take on the world. Um, But if you put on your like sad stained, like granny pants, like that, you just make you feel a little bit sad. Um, And so the fact that I could wear whatever knickers I wanted to, or whatever pajamas I wanted to and sleep in whatever bed sheets I wanted to. And then I was like, oh my goodness, everybody else should be able to have this. So that was sort of the, the moment that I was like, I need to share this. Absolutely. I mean, you're right, because it's amazing that you can do that because you're right. You mean, I think a lot of us have like our special underwear that we save um, for when we're on our period. And, you know, like you're saying, pyjamas, there's definitely things where you go, oh, I won't risk. Well, well for me, there was definitely things where I'd go, oh, I'm not going to risk wearing that just in case. Um, because, yeah, the last thing you want to do is ruin something. So, yeah, I've, I think you're right that I'm sure that it must be something that a lot of us experience and as you say not just women on periods but um yeah childbirth and all kinds of I guess other how do I say it non-gynecological things as well like any kind of surgery recovery or anything like that so it's great that you decided to to sort of make it into a business and make it available to other people um you did mention that very briefly but I did pick up on this that you were working as a physiotherapist at the time so how were you able to start and grow your business alongside what I guess must have been a really busy um, career at the time. Yeah. So I, so I came up with the idea um, sort of mid 2019 and then was sort of doing little bits on the side. And I also have a five-year-old. So I was also then juggling like at the time she was probably what, like two. So being one to a two-year-old and working. So I worked four days a week for the NHS. Um, and then just as things were starting to get a lot of traction business-wise, then COVID hit and then um, obviously for the NHS, that was just crackers. Um, and so I'm, when I look back, I'm not really sure how I did it. Um, but it was basically any time that I wasn't working in the NHS, um, or being mum was dedicated to save my knickers basically. So, um, evenings, weekends, and I did a lot of driving in my role in the NHS. So like listening to, um, audiobooks and things to sort of help you know, learning about things like marketing and business development and all of that. Cause obviously they don't teach any of that at physio school. Um, <laughs> so yeah, doing that. And then eventually I reduced the hours that I was working for the NHS so that I could then commit more hours to save my knickers. And then, um, 
it got to the point where I knew there was going to be a time where I'd have to take that leap of faith and leave the NHS and take on full-time knicker saving. Um, and so I did that um, February last year, which has been amazing. That is amazing. And that's quite a short period of time, really, when you think about it. Yeah, especially that. Yeah. And I can't believe like how far I've come and how much I've learned as well. I think I, I see a lot of um, my colleagues that I used to work with and they just say like, well, how did you learn all of this? And like, where did you find out how to, to do all of this? And I think it's quite scary when you first start out and you don't really know anything. <laughs> um, but there's actually, there's so much support out there, especially like our local council have been amazing. And um, there's all these sort of like pockets of people that are really happy to share their business experience and share their business skills. Um, and you can just learn from each other. And I think, you know, maybe a few years ago, you would have, you know, been in your like, I'm a physio and I'm only gonna, ever going to be a physio. But actually now I think that's not the case anymore. And you can learn something new at whatever age and you can learn a new skill, even if you don't have qualifications in it, you know, you don't have to have a business degree to run a business. And I think that's been like a huge sort of realization I suppose that just because you don't have that background doesn't mean you can't do it I think you're right and and it's definitely I've seen a change so much over the past couple of years I mean this podcast has been going I think a similar amount of time I started it in March 2020 and I want to say not I don't know what the percentage is but there's a lot of people who who I have on the podcast and when I talk to them when they started their business they were doing something completely different like so far away from the product they're selling or maybe they were in you know they were in employment they weren't running their own business um and I definitely see over the like the last couple of years and I don't if this is a COVID, you know, if it's related to COVID at all, possibly there's a bit of an impact where more and more people are saying, do you know what, I'm going to try and do something for myself. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, more people are trying to work more flexibly and um, do things that work around them. And also like, you know, learning new skills as well. I think, you know, people go to university and they, or, if, or college or whatever and do whatever they're going to do. And then they stop learning. And then I think there's always that opportunity to learn more um, and to, to get new skills and to, yeah, to be able to do new things. So I think that's that's really important. I think a lot of people kind of forget that you can still do that. Yeah. And it also sounds like you were really passionate about your product as well. So I guess that must have that must have helped with kind of, I think if you've got the drive to get something out into the world and to tell people about it, that helps massively because obviously you must be really motivated to do that. And therefore yeah. motivated to learn all those skills and do what was needed. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, it's been amazing as well seeing people's responses when I talk about the products. Obviously, it is a, a kind of period related product, if you like. So talking a lot about periods and women's health and um, especially when I first started out, you know, talking to, um, you know, suppliers for things and, um, you know, business support and that sort of thing and trying to explain to people what I wanted to do. Um, and people would be like, either people would get it and be like, yes, this is genius. I totally get it. Um, or particularly a lot of men that I would speak to would be like, what you want to do what? And I can't believe you've said the word period and tampon in the same sentence. Um, but I think it's been so amazing to see how, um, a lot of those conversations, even in the last couple of years have changed so much. Um, and I think that's really motivating as well to, to keep pushing for that change and for people to keep talking about periods and talking about women's health and having those open conversations I think that also really motivates me the more that I do that the more I'm inspired to to continue to do it I think that's great and as you said earlier when 
before I came across your product, I hadn't even thought about the fact that this was something that affected more than just me, you know, like having to wear away pair of knickers or whatever. Um, so I feel like that's amazing too, that I guess more people are just, you, you know, you're encouraging more people to talk about the fact that this is something that happens. Whereas I think a lot of us just don't tend to talk about our periods or, or anything. Yeah, definitely. And I've had quite a few, um, mums of teenage girls particularly say that they sort of use save my knickers um as a talking point as a way to start talking about periods so rather than necessarily coming in something like sometimes a tampon might be quite a scary thing to be like you know because you've never seen a tampon that could be quite a intimidating product potentially to to start a conversation about periods um so they said they've been using it as a way to say look this is going to happen and you are going to get blood on stuff especially when you know when you first start your period and it's really irregular and um you're not really sure what you're doing. And I think they've, they've been saying that it's a really nice way to say, it's okay that this is going to happen. Um, and let's talk about this and using it as a conversation starter. And I think that's, that's really important as well to, you know, to have those conversations with our children, um, that it is something that's normal and, you know, it's, you don't have to be embarrassed about it. Um, so that's been really lovely feedback to hear that people have been using it for that. That's really nice. And it also, I think it makes a lot of sense because the fact that there is a product out there for it helps to normalize it because it kind of says, okay, there are enough people that this is an issue for. So therefore there's a product for it. Whereas I think, as I said, when it, when there wasn't anything, any sort of solution, I think you can see why people would think, oh, it must be just me this happens to, because if it was a big issue, there would surely be a product. So I think it's amazing as well that you decided to sort of be the one to create a product to normalize it yeah and I think I just can't believe that you know it's taken this long for us to find something um I think it's just something that we've been put up we put up with for so long that you just get blood on stuff and then that's ruined and then that sucks like it's just another reason that periods can suck and you think well yes they can be a bit rubbish but here's a way to make them a little bit less rubbish um yeah and especially when you can make you know wear those lovely comfy pajamas and if you get blood on them it's okay it doesn't matter because you can you can save them let's talk about some of the other things you're doing to break period taboos as well if that's okay so for example some of your images um so for people who haven't seen your website i'm hoping everyone will look at your website after listen to this conversation but if anyone hasn't seen your website can you talk a little bit about some of the images you you use and why you've chosen to use them yeah so when um i first started out and was getting imagery together I was really keen not to use the blue liquid that is used in a lot of um, period imagery and period adverts in the mainstream media um, because we don't bleed blue blood. I think that's really unrelatable. Um, And to start with, I was thinking, oh, maybe we could use sequins or something that red that you could still use to represent blood. And I was like, actually, do you know what? It's just blood. Like if we're going to um, stop being embarrassed about it, then we need to use something that fully represents what the product does um and so in our imagery we do use um blood so we have images of knickers with blood on and bed sheets with blood on um images of people wearing knickers with blood on um and just trying to to show that it's okay and it is normal and this is what a period is like um and i think that's really important because you know we don't we don't bleed blue blood and we don't bleed sequins um it's had a lot of interesting responses. I think most people initially are a bit like, oh, okay, that's quite shocking. I suppose they're not expecting it. I think more is the, the issue because they're so used to seeing adverts of period products with blue blood. Um, 
or no blood used in an advert um, or any imagery. So I think to start with, people can be a bit shocked by it. But I think actually afterwards, they're like, well, actually, yeah, it's normal and that's okay. Um, a very small percentage of people um, are not happy with the imagery that I use. Um, but I think then that comes back to just, they're not happy to have that conversation yet and that's okay. And, you know, we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep using those images. Um, and I think they're really powerful. And I think it just shows, um, I think it's reassuring for other people that that's okay. Like I'm not the only person that has this problem. I think so too. And just out of interest, how have you had any pushback? It's not just from customers, but sort of anywhere else using those images. I don't know, like Facebook or advertising or have you had run into any issues because you are doing something completely different. And when you do try and change things, I can imagine you do get a bit of pushback. We've had quite a lot of issues, particularly on social media. So I've had my, um, my ad account is actually blocked. Um, so I can't actually run any ads at the moment because I've been banned. Um, I think that is, they've said that I violated their policies um, and imagery was within that. So I, that is one of them. We've been blocked on that. I've had um, posts removed um, because of the imagery that we've been using. Um, and then I ha- we were shortlisted in, a, in an award um, a couple of years ago and we had to send imagery for the um, for the presentation. It was a huge um, awards. It's the National Recycling Awards and it was in, um, in London, in a big hotel. Um, and I had to send imagery and I sent one of our, like the product. And then I sent one of our images, um, of a woman with blood on their underwear. Um, and I was really excited because I was really hoping that they were going to display, um, this image to all of these hundreds and thousands of people at this award. And they didn't. And I was so disappointed. Um, they used the one that was just the, the product image. Um, and I mean, it might've just been their, their choice to use that one rather than the other one. Um, but I, was kind of hoping that they would have used that as a kind of like making a bit of a statement and they didn't. Um, so I was, a, yeah, disappointed about that. Um, but then again, I think it's just people aren't used to seeing it and not necessarily something people want to talk about. So. Yeah, that makes sense. But it is, it is a shame. And it's, I can't believe by the way about your ad account, that just seems crazy when you see, you know, when you think of some of the things you see on social media, I'd actually think that a little bit of blood is fairly tame actually. I know. And it's not, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just one of those really frustrating things. And particularly because you can't go and talk to a person about it. It's just like computer says no. Like, that's it. Oh, but I would <laughs> enjoy that. That's, that's a shame, but I guess, you know, that's sort of, yeah. Um, have you, out of interest, have you, have you run into any other obstacles you didn't foresee with selling something so unique? Um, just trying to think. Sorry, bear with me a minute. I'm just no, don't worry at all. Because I mean, I didn't, pl- I didn't plan this question. It's just something that suddenly occurred to me because you, your product is in, unusual in the sense that you're the only person and the first person selling it. So I, I guess that does bring up a few challenges because people yeah. aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily know that there is a product that does yeah. your product. Yeah, does. so what, sorry. So yeah, when you, when you said that. So yeah, we have um, come into some issues when, when it comes to getting people to, to give the product to go, I think. Um, so as you say, unless you have experienced that problem and then know that it's a problem and then know that there's a solution, people aren't necessarily looking for us. Um, and then particularly when we're approaching um, like wholesale shops, for example, um, 
I think people aren't necessarily wanting to take a risk on a new product. Um, so that has been a bit of a challenge. And we've been really fortunate. There's one shop that we are stocked in and the lady that owns the shop um, used the product herself and then loved it. So she was a huge advocate for us. But it's um, it's quite difficult when you're approaching somebody that doesn't necessarily know that it's a solution to a problem that they don't know they had, <laughs> if that makes sense. That does make sense. And I'm imagining, and I don't, I definitely don't want to generalize here, but I can imagine that this might be an easier product, therefore, to sell to women than men. When I say sell, I mean when you're from a wholesale perspective. Um, because I suppose at least if you're approaching a, a woman, then there's a chance that they will have experienced the issue. Whereas I, I'm I know because I don't want to generalize at all, but I'm wondering if it's harder for men to to realize that this is an issue that women have. Yeah, definitely. And even just from my own experience, um, talking to my husband about it. So we've, you know, we have a very, you know, open relationship. We, he, you know, he knows everything basically that we don't hide anything from each other. Um, but when I first told him what I wanted to do, he was like, you want to do what? Like, why do you want to do that? Um, and then I realized that he had no idea that it was such a big problem because, you know, you, if you were to get blood on your knickers, you don't you go, Oh, look what I've done. Like you just, squirrel them away right and like and I do predominantly do all the washing in our house um and so it wasn't ne- wasn't ever necessarily something that he was going to come across um even though I share everything with him um so even you know I just assumed that he knew that that was a problem and then I realized that he didn't and so actually just even having that conversation with him he was like oh yeah like I can see why this would be a problem I can see you know why you're having to keep buying new pairs of knickers and pajamas and things um and so that's been fascinating, actually. And then also seeing his journey that he's come on. So to start with, he would be all awkward about it and wouldn't want to say the word period and, you know, tampon and vulva and all sorts of things. Um, and now, well, like he, when he has conversations about with, you know, with his colleagues about what I do, he so he's in a very male dominated industry. Um, and he sometimes just drops the like the period bomb <laughs> in a conversation with his colleagues and sort of just to see them all act like react really awkwardly. Um so yeah, it's really interesting seeing you know, different male responses. Um, I suppose it's, you know, whether it's spoken about, whether how much they know about it, because as women, maybe we don't share that with them as well. So I think we can we can do something as well to help with that and talking to our other halves and, you know, children. And even, even my granddad um, has now got involved. And so the other week, or not the other week, sorry, last year when it was the tennis and there was all of the um, discussion about whether the women um, should be wearing, we allowed to wear black knickers or white knickers or white shorts and black shorts and things. Um, and so my granddad lives in Wimbledon. So he's a huge fan of the tennis and um, I was a ball girl. So tennis is like in our, in our family. Um, and he rang me up to tell me that um, he'd saved me an article in the newspaper about periods and the tennis um, and how he believes that they should be able to wear whatever color knickers they want. And I was like, you know, for, for a 90 something year old man I thought that was quite <laughs> quite impressive it's really impressive and I think you're right it's just good to, like to normalize things I think I feel like that it's about so many things that the more we talk about them the more they're just normal and then we yeah. don't have to be embarrassed so I think that's brilliant would you mind if I just just to change tact very quickly would you mind if I, there's one more thing I was just interested in in sure. asking about if you don't mind I think I've, I'm asking because I think people listening might find this really interesting so Obviously, you came up with the formula yourself. And then when you switched to growing the business, I'm just wondering, is this something that you are able to still make yourself or does that change when it's a business? I genuinely don't know any of this. So I'm just curious because I feel like if anyone's listening and they've got an idea for something, um, 
that this just yeah. might be quite helpful yeah so from the from the very start of the business we knew that we didn't want to be um mixing any formulas and holding any stock at our house just from a space perspective we don't have a lot of extra room here um and we wanted to try and make the the product side of the business as hands off as possible so once we've come up with the formula um we then approached um manufacturing companies um and for the packaging and then from the filling perspective and everything else so that was all all automated from the beginning um and the same with our fulfillment um, side of things. So when somebody places an order on our website or if I input a wholesale order, for example, um, that's all, all automated and goes through to our fulfillment center and then they send the products out. So we don't actually do any of the filling um, or hold any stock at home. Um, just it, So it probably from a, a cost and um, efficiency perspective from the beginning that was quite a big jump um so I think if we would I think maybe we could have kept it at home to start with but we were very conscious that we didn't have a lot of space um and equally the um, minimum order quantities for things were quite high um so our initial run we needed to buy 2,000 tubes which um we were like, we don't really know what 2000 tubes looks like. Like that sounds like a lot of tubes. Um, and so I just had images of like our house being filled with all these turquoise tubes. And so we knew from the get go that we need, we didn't want to have that. And we wanted that to be, I didn't want to have to keep running to the post office every day. Um, and so thought we would automate that side of the business as quickly as possible, um, which has really helped from the perspective of being able to do everything else in the business. Cause it is just still me. So that's really helpful. That really makes sense. And I guess also when you started a business, you were still working four days a week. So I think this would have been a lot had you been doing it yourself. So, and thank you yeah. for explaining that because I was really curious at what point that happened because I know um, for myself when I had a, my own products business, I did automate everything, but not from the start. Um, and looking back, that is something I wish I had thought about doing sooner because as you say, you can spend so much time doing the practical things that you don't need to be doing like filling boxes and going to the post office. That can yeah. take up an awful amount of time and it's not arguably po- possibly not always the best use of time. Yeah. And just like prime example of this, like just yesterday. So we were trying to get onto Amazon um because we are at the moment we're not listed on there. So I'm in the process of trying to get that off the ground. Um and but just because of the like the way that Amazon works with their labeling and stuff, we I was I'm doing that from home initially. And so yesterday I wasted so much time trying to work out how my printer prints labels. Um I was hours like just trying to work, you know, which way does the paper go in the printer? And then having to cut them out and stick them on and all of that stuff that um just really made me reflect on how glad I am that we did automate the other side of things as much as possible. And hopefully, as um after I've done my experiment with Amazon and that hopefully that will all work, then I can get our fulfillment center to do that side of things as well. But um yeah, it just reminded me of how long, as you say, labeling things takes, like it just takes forever. <laughs> it does. And especially when you're sort of used to being more hands-off with like the practical side of it. Yeah. Like I found, yeah, that it always gives, gives you a bit of a shock, doesn't it? When you're sort of out of the habit of doing it and then suddenly you have to do it again. Yeah. I just thought, I'll just quickly label up these boxes. And then, yeah, as you say, like an hour or so later, I was like, how has this taken me that long to stick like <laughs> eight labels on a box? <laughs> oh. Well, hopefully you won't have to do that again for a while. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so one final question, please, Lucy, if that's okay, which I asked everyone, is yeah. what would your number one piece of advice be for other product creators? My number one piece of advice would be um, 
that you can always do it. I think a lot of people have a lot of self-doubt and I think it's really easy to go down that doubt spiral and think, oh, I can't do it and I'm not good enough and I don't know how. Um, I think you could do anything and just believing that you can do anything um, and keeping that in your mind, especially on the days where things don't work and things feel really difficult. It's just remembering that you can do it. Oh, I like that. Thank you. And of course, we'll link to your website and social media and everything else in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for listening right to the end of this episode. Do remember that you can get the full back catalogue and lots of free resources on my website, vickyweinberg.com. Please do remember to rate and review this episode if you've enjoyed it and also share it with a friend who you think might find it useful. Thank you again and see you next week. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.